Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Yes, indeed, and I am joined this morning from the University of Minnesota by Julie Weisenhorn. Good morning, Julie. Hey, Denny, how are you today? I'm doing well. hope you uh, and yours are doing the same. We, uh, we actually are going to be getting in the 50s today. I know it. It's spring at last, I think. Yes. I hope that uh, we're past all the sub-zero stuff. And, oh, my gosh, it's been just a roller coaster this really year. It really has. Uh, <laughs> and we'll, we'll talk. Uh, I have some good news and some not-so-good news as far Uh-oh. as this week's. Well, no, it's not bad. <laughs> but uh, we're not totally out of the woods. It looks like it's going to be kind of a wet, a wet windy week and maybe a, a little cool after Wednesday. But we'll we'll talk about it. nothing. It's spring weather, right? And we're getting right. moisture, which is a very positive, not only for oh, the farmers, yes. but uh, for us, too, as far as our lawns and shrubs and uh, growing things like that. Definitely. Uh, uh, let's invite our listeners to join in. We call it a smart garden show. And uh, if you have any kind of a lawn or garden question for Julie, by all means, don't wait. Uh, we want to get in as many questions answered as we possibly can. Uh, you can call one number, and it's also the text number. So whatever is easier for you, 651 651- Four six one nine two two six for your lawn or garden type of question. Again, six five one four six one nine two two six. What uh, what are you doing the, these days now? I mean, uh, in between the raindrops here, Julie, as far as uh, lawn and garden. Well, I have not been doing much in my garden. I did, uh, Carl, and I did prune our ornamental crab this past weekend, which was a huge job. Uh, it's a very large tree. So we took care of that, but it was clear that we should not be walking on our lawn right now. It's a very wet lawn, and it's quite shaded So uh, at this point. So, um, yeah, it was not dried out yet. So that's one thing I was kind of like tiptoeing around a little bit. But today I'm actually out at the Arboretum, and I'm going to be uh, co-teaching a couple of workshops on hydrangea pruning with my colleague, Dr. Brandon Miller, who's a faculty in the horticultural science department. So mm. we are all set to go. We've got 30 people in the first session and 30 master gardeners in the second session. So it's going to be a full day of pruning. Well, that sounds like fun. Well, we're, we'll, as we like to do, mention the Arboretum. It's such a great place to visit, a great resource. We're so lucky I know. to have that here. I mean, it's a I, jewel. Really, that's a good word. Yeah, it really is. We'll talk more about that as we move through this particular hour. And a uh, lawn or garden question, by all means, again, 651-461-9226. Here's a question I, I had in my own mind recently. Texter says, is there a difference 
between seeding on a cold and wet spring day versus winter seeding, I assume dormant seeding. Dormant seeding, yeah. I think that um I think one of the one of the things I would think about is when you when you go through dormant seeding, the birds have kind of, you know, are kind of huddled in for the winter. They're not going to be out eating your grass seed. I think if you're putting it down now, uh, you may start. You may see some more bird activity around there pecking up that seed, so you might lose some of your seed. Um, and I think uh, I think the best time for doing lawn work is, of course, in the fall. And dormant seeding is great. And if you get a layer of snow after you dormant seed, that's the best conditions. So I think you can do some seeding now, but you might find more animals around eating the seed. Okay. All right. Uh, I want to grab a phone call, but uh, another text. Is it too early to apply preen to garden areas? It is too early, uh, but we're getting close to that. So our crabgrass control, which would be a pre-emergent like, uh, like preen, should be laid down around mid-April to mid-May when the, be, before the crabgrass comes out of the ground. So most of the time people use preen for crabgrass, but you may be using it for some other weeds as well. So you need to know when that weed emerges, when it actually starts to come up, and then put that preen down before the seed emerges. All right. Let's uh, grab a phone call. I think Al is calling from uh, St. Paul, I believe, this morning. Al, what is your question for Julie? Um. About three weeks ago, a man called in and he said um, his, um, he had some flowering crab apple trees that were girdled. And uh, I just want to remind him that he could do, he could do bridge grafting. And um, probably the university uh, website would uh, tell all about it. Okay. So grafting. Um yeah, I'm not sure that we have a, a site on that. We do teach it in our plant propagation class, but I haven't seen a web page from the university about the grafting, side grafting. So he's talking about girdled trees, in other words, animals that have browsed or eaten through the bark mm-hmm. and chewed through the vascular system, which is just below the cambium layer of the tree. And that cuts off the vessels so that the plants can't take up um, from the roots, they can't take up water and nutrients and get it to the rest of the tree, so you start to see dieback. And girdling is something that we encounter this time of year. Annie Claude, my uh, my colleague who specializes in fruits, wrote a good article in our Yard and Garden News about wildlife damage and what do you do about that, and she has a couple of good examples. So people could take a look at that. But I'm not sure about the grafting, the side grafting. I think I'm sure there's a way to do it. Um, I'm not knowledgeable in that, though. Okay. Here's a text that says, I planted Chicagoland green boxwood last summer. I burlapped them uh, this winter. When can I take the burlap off? Oh, good question. I think you could probably take those off pretty soon. Um, I would, again, be a little concerned about animals feeding on them. So I, I would be a little cautious and probably put some fencing around them for a while until the... Uh, until you start to see the growth and things kind of, the weather kind of settles down and you get a handle on the animals. But they would, uh, rabbit would be feeding on those. Uh, certainly deer would too. Um, but I think you could probably take that. But they would, uh, rabbit would be feeding on those. Uh, certainly deer would too. Um, but I think you could probably take that burlap off pretty quick here. We're not going to get those cold, cold winter winds, I don't 
I hope not no, I, I, anymore. It's, <laughs> it's going to be a little breezy this coming week, and we'll talk right. about that in minutes, but it's not going to be certainly like And we have that, a lot of so. sunshine, too, so yeah. it can go into photosynthesis. And For you, it's good. Be working. And I know we're, we're going to take a quick break here, but here's something a texter sent in, and I, uh, you and your colleagues have, uh, have uh, taught me this and our listeners as well. Uh, and I'll just read it. It says, I have been in the green industry for 37 years. I want to clarify two words. Soil is what plants grow in. Dirt is what gets on your hands and pants. That's right. (laughs) I like the clarification. Dirt is soil out of place. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. That's what we learn in our Soils 101. Thanks for that qualification, whoever that uh, was. So uh, let's do this, uh, Julie. Let's invite our listeners to join in on our Smart Garden Show. Any kind of a lawn or garden question, call it in or text it in via this number, 651-461-9226. In the Twin Cities right now, we've moved up to 32 degrees, uh, increasing clouds later, but right now they're calling the skies fair. 32 here on News Talk 830. And welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. Denny Long here along with Julie Weisenhorn from the University of Minnesota. It's our Smart Garden Show here every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour on 830-WCCO. Well, Julie, as usual, we have callers and we have texters, some things to keep you busy for, uh, for the rest of the hour. Excellent. Fact, let's do this. Let's, uh, let's take the callers and then we'll pick up on our text messages. I think uh, Bonnie is calling in from Shoreview, uh, first of all, this morning. Bonnie, you're on CCO with Julie. Hi. Actually, I'm calling for my son and daughter-in-law who moved into their home last fall in East Bethel. And their property has dozens and dozens of tall, tall pine trees on the lot. Okay. And that means they have millions and millions of pine needles on the ground. (laughs) And they were going to try and clean all that up this spring. The question is, what do you do with all the pine needles? Well, pine needles actually make a fabulous mulch. Uh, I wish I had a lot of pine trees on my property that I could uh, rake up and have and, and use for mulch. So they're terrific. They're, they knit together, so they hold together and don't run off from water. They also have enough air. They provide air so that uh, water can get down to the roots of the plant. So I think what I would... Uh, what I would do if I were them is to decide um, where they wanted to put any garden beds, and I would rake up some of the uh, some of the pine needles then and use that for mulch around that. You can also rake it up and you can compost it too. So they could rake it up and compost the pine needles. But boy, they make a great. Uh, it makes a great mulch. Yeah, true. Thanks, Bonnie. It looks nice too. <laughs> Dexter says this, Julie, when starting plants from seed, when do you remove them from the heat mat and when to take the humidity dome off? I have tomatoes and peppers in the same flat and the peppers come up a little later than the tomatoes. What do you sure. think? I have the same issue because I, I made the mistake of planting some flowers along with some of the faster growing plants. And now I'm kind of thinking, oh boy, I have to take the dome off. I took the dome off when the tallest plants bumped into the dome. Uh, usually when a seedling has its second uh, second leaves, its first true leaves, actually, uh, the little tiny leaves that come up first are little cotyledons, and, and they're really not true leaves. But when they put up those uh, that first or that first set of true leaves, then you can go ahead and uh, transplant them, too. So 
seedlings will grow well if they are taken out of the seedless mix and planted in a regular potting mix and grown like that for the last month or so before you can put them in the ground. So take the dome off when they've bumped into the dome, the tallest plants, and um, you can keep them on the seed mat, but just be aware that the bigger the plants get, the more water they'll need. So just do a good job of keeping them, you know, prevent them from drying out. And Natalie Hoytel, my colleague who specializes in vegetables, has written a great, uh, a great article in Yard and Garden News also on uh, tips for healthy seedlings. So take a look at that, and she's got some good advice for what to do as those seedlings get larger. Yeah, get on that website, extension.umn.edu. We talk about that all the time for good reason. It's just a Mm -hmm. great resource. You guys do so much good work in that, and uh, it shows. Uh, All right, let's see. I think Ed may be calling in, I think, from Worthington uh, this morning. Thanks for waiting, Ed. What is your question for Julie? Um, Two-year-old crown asparagus, um, proper way to plant those, and, and when can you harvest them? Well, good for you for buying the two-year-old crowns because you'll get to harvest them sooner. And uh, normally with asparagus, you would dig down and bury those crowns, and then as they come up, you'd bury them a little bit more as they start to sprout and keep burying them and burying them until they are uh, until they are poking through the ground and let them grow another year. And I think by next year, you'll be able to harvest from them. So you're laying those crowns out, spread them out, like a little, like a web, you know, so that the, all the roots spread out. Put your soil on it. As they come up, put more soil on it and uh, so that you have, you've kind of filled this hole, but you've got nice deep crowns. And, and you can look on our website under uh, vegetables A to Z and take a look at the uh, asparagus page for additional information. Okay. Here's a text that says, Greetings. Appreciate your Saturday garden show. It gets me up and oh, going. nice. <laughs> What would you recommend to plant for uh, all-day suns, uh, south exposure around the house? So they want a little hint on what would you recommend to plant for all-day sun with a southern exposure around the house? Well, that would be a foundation planting. So foundation planting helps to uh, blend your home, your building, into the rest of the landscape. And so you're looking for plants that are, you know, groups of shrubs, along with layers of, uh, of perennial flowers, or you could also add in some annual flowers too. Um, we have good information on different plant selection that would be suitable for that kind of a, a growing environment on our plant elements of design database. So you can enter in the conditions that you have and then uh, click search, and it will come up with any plants that happen to fit that criteria. But you're really looking for shrubs that won't block your windows. If I'm take, I take it that this is... You know, you've got windows on your on your wall of your house, and uh, and that also don't aren't going to overgrow your beds. So your beds should be deep enough that you can plant the shrubs and then plant in front of them. So you have kind of a layered effect. It's called mixing and matching, and uh, and so really measure that space. Think about if that bed is deep enough, and if you can make it deeper. In other words, from the house out into the yard, you might you'll want to have about eight feet if you can. And, uh, and then layer those plants from the tallest by the house out to the edge of the bed line. All right. I'll tell you what let's do. Let's take a break and have a look at that forecast. I want to alert Lucy and Tom and all the other callers and texters. We're going to come back with about another half hour of the show to go. So don't go away. 
Uh, our Smart Garden Show every Saturday here in the 8 o'clock hour on News Talk 830 WCCO. The weather's coming up. Hey, good morning. We're back to our Smart Garden Show here on 830 WCCO. Denny Long here along with Julie Weisenhorn from the University of Minnesota. Julie, as usual, callers and texters waiting in the wings. All right. Uh, let's get to it. Uh, let's see who's first. Lucy calling in from Hopkins, I believe, uh, this morning. Lucy, thanks for waiting. What's your question for Julie? Yeah, thanks for taking my call. Mm-hmm. I've got a large, well-established lawn. My family and I have been tending it for over a half century. And we manage it uh, with min- practically no watering. We don't use fertilizer or herbicide because we've got a lot of clover and violets and dandelions, and whatnot. we leave them there for the pollinators. Yesterday, the city uh, took out a ginormous ash tree that had emerald ash borer mm. that was on the right away on the side of my lawn. It was sure. windy yesterday. They had to make a lot of topping cuts. I now have about a quarter of my yard fairly not covered to the point of choking the grass but there's a lot of wood shavings in it bigger than sawdust smaller than wood chips and i did a dormant seeding last late november which has not germinated yet so i'm reluctant to use a leaf blower to suck up the chips or anything because i'll take up my grass seed Are, are those shavings going to smother the lawn um will they eventually just sort of decompose and and fertilize the lawn or do i need to sacrifice my dormant seeding and use a leaf blower to try and suck up all those doggone shavings. How deep are the shavings, do you think? Um, They are, except for right in the immediate vicinity of the stump where I know I'm going to have a mess and have to reseed, they are mostly just polka dotted around the lawn. Okay. I I think those areas will be okay. And I think you're right. You're going to have to clean up the area where it's really deep. If it's just kind of polka dotted, just kind of scattered across your lawn, it should be okay. Um, you could do any light raking uh, that once your seeds start to germinate, and you could do some light raking if you need to. But I think you'll be okay on those the, the more polka dot areas, as you call them. But, yeah, around that stump, you'll have to rake up or pick up. I'd pick up as much as you can just with your hands or... Uh, with a shovel, depending how deep it is, and then you know try to spread it out, and uh, and see if that helps. Yeah, it's too bad you lost of, your tree. Yeah, I should say. Good luck, Lucy. Thank you, uh, I like Thomas. The, I like her description of her lawn, the bee lawn. Yeah, <laughs> I think more and more people are are cool. thinking about that, aren't they? Yeah, at least we're hearing yeah. from them. Yep. Uh, Tom, I think, is on the horn too. He's calling in from St. Louis Park. I do believe this morning. Thank you for waiting, Tom. What's your question? Hi, good morning. Great show as always. I have a question about grubs. Uh, We lost a good portion of our lawn last year to grubs, or what we presume were grubs. When is the proper time to put out the grub prevention products? And then secondly, uh, it seems like there's new species of grubs, unfortunately, invading. I'm not sure if that's true or not. And will these uh, prevention products prevent the new types of uh, species? Thank you. I don't know about the new species, um, but what I can tell you about, particularly for um, and Japanese beetles and June beetles are both kinds of uh, beetles that produce grubs. That's the immature beetle. In and I'm looking at our Japanese beetle page right now. Um, if you do indeed have grub issues, and you can tell because you can 
literally pull that sod back and it comes right up. The roots are all chewed off. It's dead. The grubs have been feeding on it. And if you find that you have that, um, the grubs that are in the ground right now are pretty mature grubs. They're pretty big. They're hard to control. And they start to pupate into adults around middle of April or so. So they're just starting to uh, change, and they'll emerge in June or so, about the end of June, beginning of July as adults. And so the treatment is recommended actually later in the season after they lay the after the adults lay their eggs in the soil and the grubs are very immature and small so that would be more like about july august around august or so that you would treat for those so that's uh, right now if you treat for grubs you're going to end up uh, basically it's going to be hard to kill the larger grubs and so you want to um you want to wait until midsummer or so, about August, to treat for grubs. Okay, very good. Julie, we have a ton of text <laughs> messages. I've never seen so Lightning many. round. Yeah, maybe so. Is it time, this one says, to overseed and fertilize our lawns? Not quite, not quite. I think that uh, it looks like mid-April or so is uh, is when we want to start looking at doing anything in our lawn for uh let me just find my calendar we have a good calendar called the um minnesota lawn care calendar and it's pretty handy and according to this for overseeding we'd the best time to overseed is actually early august to late september the fall but if you're going to do um kind of the second best is may through june early june so we still have some time yet to seed what you want to be looking at in mid-April is crabgrass control. So putting down your pre-emergent, we're coming up to mid-April now. It's April 9th, so probably next week. And uh, you can do that mid-April through mid-May before the crabgrass actually comes out of the ground. So that's, uh, that's what you want to be thinking about right now. And then certainly mowing as your lawns dry out, your lawns start actively growing, um, you know, then you can start to think about mowing as well. Still Julie, this wet. listener says, uh, when should I cut back the silver lace vine and how far down? That comes from Chris from Montgomery. What silver kind of lace vine? vine. Silver, silver lace. lace. Vine. Hmm. I'm not familiar with that common name. Um, if Chris, if you know of a, the, the scientific name or if it's, a, if it's a type of clematis or something like that, if you could clarify, that'd be helpful. Okay, good. We'll, we'll uh, see if we can't get a response from Chris. Hello, this one says, I'm a new listener. Thank you very much. Love the show. Question is, given this year's weather, uh, weather's ups and downs temperature-wise, when can I seed, quote, in quotes, seed my Rebecca Herta Prairie Black-Eyed Susan seeds? Did you follow that? Yeah, I did. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I, th- I think with... The rudbeckia, you could, well, you could have started the seeds indoors. You still could. You still could do that. Rudbeckia, my experience with seeding rudbeckia is it's, it's a little tricky. It, uh, you definitely need to have a lot of light, and you have to have the bottom heat. And, um, but you can do it, and you could seed that. But I think you'll want to start seeding when your soil is workable, when, uh, in other words, it's, it's not soaking wet and it's not, icy then you could put down uh some of that seed out there and see if that uh see if that germinates okay it takes a while rubecchia 
and echinacea will grow the first year. They're not really biennials, but they have to mature through a couple of seasons before they actually produce flowers. There are different varieties that will bloom the first year, but but a lot of it that uh, that I've at least experienced has been uh, it, it grows basically a plant the first year, the leaves and the roots, and then the second year it actually is mature enough that it starts to bloom, and then it will bloom reliably every year after that. But Rebecca is a little hard to start from seed, but you could sure try. You still have time, and it's only early April. And give that a shot, and then probably also seed it when you can work the soil. Okay. There's a question from a listener. Uh, is corn gluten meal useful for crabgrass prevention? Corn gluten meal was popular. It kind of came on the scene from Iowa State uh, back in, I want to say, like the 90s. And uh, it was found to have some pre-emergent properties where it would prevent uh, seed from germinating. But it's very particular, and, and it's almost like Minnesota's too cold for it to work. So it, it, it might work in warmer climates or warmer areas of the United States, but it doesn't work very well for Minnesota. So we've kind of given up on it. It has a little bit of nitrogen uh, additions to um, what we've also found that, that is the reason I don't use it is dogs tend to lick it up. <laughs> Corn gluten meal is used in dog food, and so they tend to eat it off your lawn. So um, I don't use it for that reason, but also it, it it's kind of a so-so product for Minnesota. And uh, it's very specific on how, what the temperatures are when it's effective and you have to do it twice. So it's a little more fussy than people want to mess around with. Mm, okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, this one says, started my tomato seeds a little early. They look uh, leggy or too thin. Is there anything I can do to strengthen them? You maybe it may be time to transplant them into a small into a little bit larger pot and uh, and then start fertilizing them, giving them a dilute fertilizer. I would buy a vegetable fertilizer or a tomato fertilizer, and just make a very dilute amount. Um, make sure they have plenty of light and uh, and uh, you know go with it that way. Sometimes with plants, if you put a little fan like a muffin fan blowing gently on those so that they move that will strengthen the stem as well so i that uh, it also helps to kind of create good airflow around the plants so uh, you could try that too but usually it if they're leggy they haven't had enough light Mm. that's the other thing too you want to be sure that you've got a lot of bright light for those plants Listener says, I have a well-established lawn on a city-sized lot, and it's mostly Kentucky bluegrass. Most of the lawn gets full sun. I'd like to get my lawn so it's less dependent on watering and is more resilient during droughts. Is there a particular type of grass I can overseed with that's not as water-dependent as what I have now? You know that answer, don't you, Denny? Fescue. Fine fescue, yeah. <laughs> yeah, fine fescue is a uh, a good type of cool season grass grows here in Minnesota really well and uh and it's drought resistant um it also will grow in sun part sun and a little bit of shade and it's also very uh very hardy it doesn't require a lot of nutrition a lot of fertilizer so it's a good plant to mix in with your Kentucky blue in fact it's often mixed in uh, with with uh, lawn mixes, you'll find fine fescue, red fescue, creamy fescue, chewing's fescue, other kinds of fescues. 
And so that would be a type of grass that a type of grass seed that you could overseed. And I would do that in August, August, September. Uh, have your lawn core aerated and then overseed it with a fescue blend to help get make sure that that seed gets down into the around the soil and has good soil to seed contact. So just hang on through this year and then plan to do that in the late summer, early fall. I think that's a good idea. I think I might do that very thing. Yeah. Uh, uh, Julie, hang on. We're going to take a quick break. Just real quickly, uh, for those that maybe don't know that you, Julie, and your crew there play with a group (laughs) called the Abiders. Are you guys going to be up for some gig coming up? We have two gigs back-to-back. April 22nd will be at Lupine Brewing in Delano. And it'll be a four-piece band, my brother Scott, our friend John Magley, uh, Dr. John, we call him, and Delano. And it'll be a four-piece band, my brother Scott, our friend John Magley, uh, Dr. John, we call him, and Carl and I. And then uh, we'll be the next night, the whole gang, including uh, Andy Anda on violin and Jeff Linus Bagley, our cousin on sax. The six of us will be at Surfside in Mound. So right. come on out and see us. Yeah, we got a lot of gigs going on here. Yeah, during break, you can ask Lana Garden questions. We talk about that. <laughs> yeah, that happens. Okay. We had a couple of listeners come out the last time we played on the 26th of March. All right. So Good deal. Great to see them. All right, Julie, hang on. We'll uh, take this break. Be right back uh, with a more Smart Garden show. By the way, in the Twin Cities, we have 32 degrees, and we're heading to near 52 on News Talk 830 WCCO. Hey, good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. If you're new to the show, thanks for checking us out. We're here every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour, thanks to folks like Julie Wise and Horn from the University of Minnesota helping you out every Saturday. Uh, we, have, Julie, we have so many so many text messages. Right. I did want to kind of back up there because sure. you, you did request Chris's uh, explanation oh, yeah. of yeah. the of the silver lace vine. Now, you may or okay. may not, uh, but you know this stuff. I'm going to have to try to pronounce the do my best. Polygonal Alberti. Polygonal Alberti. Wow, I might be stumped on this one. I don't know. I'm not. Isn't, that an, isn't he an opera singer? Yeah. <laughs> <I think. laughs> Didn't he do something uh, with Clapton? Yeah, I I don't. Uh, and it, you know, or if if you want to pronounce it, polygonal, polygonal. And the texture okay. spelled it A U B E R T I I, like it's okay. a plural form of something. But I think I I think the the key to knowing about this vine is when it. Oh, I think it's a type of clematis. Okay. No, no, maybe not. Um, is when it actually grow when it actually blooms. If it blooms on new wood, in other words, wood uh, stems that grow from the base at this time of year, or if it blooms on last year's stems, and that's when uh, that's that's how you would want to tell you know whether you cut it all the way back if it blooms on all new new stems that come up from the base, or if it blooms on last year's stems as well. Um, I'm looking at a listing here because I'm in front of my computer from American Meadows, which is a nursery, and it shows the silver lace vine, and it says to prune it in early spring. So that, to me, uh, to control the size. So if it's huge, you can prune it back at this point. So it blooms summer to fall. So it blooms on 
newer stems on the new growth and not last year's growth. So it says to prune it in early spring. Okay. Thank you for that. I uh, I noticed, again, we have so many text messages we won't get to. Now, there is a way that folks, if they do have questions, they should get on your uh, website, right, at the U of M. Yes, yeah. If you uh, definitely take a look at the website, Yard and Garden, and it's extension.umn.edu. Go to Yard and Garden. You can also just search for your uh, what your question is or the topic you're looking for in the search box. And if you want to kind of consult with an extension volunteer, you can go to Ask Extension. And Master Gardeners are actively answering people's questions uh, via email. You can attach a couple of photos, which is always helpful, and and get some answers that way too. Okay, good. Uh, here's one that says, Hello, I love your show. I have a pot of Diffenbachia plant and wanted to know if uh, if it gets too big or when it does. Uh, a portion of it can be cut off, put in water, and replanted in another pot to grow. You could try propagating it that way. You can also try um, uh, making a slit in it and wrapping some damp moss around it, like some damp sphagnum moss, and covering oh, I think we just lost Julie. Hmm. Well, let's uh, let's give it a go. Maybe uh, maybe she'll. Uh, hmm. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.